the Woodside Church Podcast. Good morning. My name is David Devonish and it's a real privilege for me to be able to speak to you this morning, my first preaching after my three-month break. I had a three-month break following my official retirement, but I'm now continuing to serve and minister, and it's great, therefore, to be able to speak to you, my home church. I have actually already recorded a a message for a Russian conference as well, uh, but this is my first time of speaking to you. When we were planning our next teaching series, we really had a sense of the Holy Spirit coming upon us at one moment. It was a real prophetic moment, even though we were speaking on Zoom. And we just felt we needed to share with you during this series who God is so that we know God better, that we have God in our lives more fully. Because during times of trouble, we turn to God. And so that's why we've started this series. However, doctrine is still very important. The word theology means study of God. And what better subject to study? Study who God is. And truth, the Bible says, is what sets us free. Understanding truth in our minds helps us be free in our spirits. And therefore, it's important that we speak about truth. And it's what Christians over the centuries have died for, died for what they believe. It's what Christians even today in many parts of the world are dying for. And so I make no apology for teaching truth and doctrine this morning because we honour truth. And so the truth of God as Trinity, because that's our subject today, the truth about the Trinity, is very important for us and it's I'm therefore going to spend two weeks on it. So what does it mean? Well, the Bible reveals that there is only one God, or God is one, but also that this one God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a doctrine we only know about through revelation. We can't fully understand it, and I'll be explaining about that as we go through, because God is greater than us. We can enjoy God, we can know God, but we can't fully understand God because his mind is beyond us. And the Bible never deals with the Trinity as an abstract doctrine, but presents Trinitarian life. So the Father as God, Jesus the Son as God, and the Holy Spirit as God 
in relation to the living realities of creation. So, for example, it says God the Father, Father of creation, created the whole world. The Bible also says he created the world through the Son, who now upholds the whole world by his mighty power. And right at the beginning, the Holy Spirit was there hovering or moving over uh, the waste before the earth was fully fully created. And so all three were involved in the creation. Similarly, in relation to our salvation, our church life, our unity and our mission. But that in detail is more next week's teaching. Now, what the Bible presents as living realities the church has had to define through the centuries in order to counter heresy and clarify understanding of what is already revealed in Scripture. Our history as the church of Jesus Christ is important. It's always important to know where we come from. And we're grateful, therefore, that the early church developed what we call creeds, statements of truth, from the first centuries after the scriptures were written, which unite Protestants like us evangelicals, Roman Catholics and Orthodox churches, all genuine Christian churches uh, follow these creeds. If we were in an Anglican church this morning, we would say one of these creeds. They say it in their Sunday services. We often in our church, sing a song based on one of the creeds. I believe, you can sing it in your mind as I'm reading it. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. That's what a creed is, a statement of what we believe. And it distinguishes Christian churches from sects like JWs and so on. And also it's important when we witness, that we understand it when we witness to our Muslim friends because they don't believe in the Trinity. That's one of the things they criticise about us, though probably their prophet Muhammad misunderstood what was really meant by the Trinity. But it's important for us as Christians. I was a few years ago in a Russian, big Russian city, and I was doing a pastor's conference for churches of all denominations. And I taught on some of the values of church life, grace, the Holy Spirit, uh, team ministry, mission, and all, the kingdom of God, all these things. And I then asked for a question, and then there was a question and answer session at the end. And the first question was this, please define in... A few short sentences, what you believe about the Trinity. I thought that was strange. I wasn't expecting that. So I did. Holy Spirit enabled me, just in three or four sentences. And then this pastor, who was uh, a sort of bishop in his denomination, I found out, said, okay, will you come and do a conference on the Trinity in our city? So I agreed to do that. And I found out afterwards the reason was that the large charismatic church in the city didn't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. 
And therefore, churches of all denominations, because this church seemed so successful, wanted a conference. And we brought together all other denominations. It was tremendous to be able to do that. And I spoke at it along with uh, two professors from the Christian University in that city. And so it's very important for the church today to cling on to this heritage and understand what it means for reasons I'll explain. So I'm going to read some scripture which refers to this in, in real life. It's from John's Gospel, chapter 14. We'll start reading at verse 18. And this is Jesus instructing his disciples shortly before his crucifixion. And they had a big discussion. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? If you love me, obey my commandments. Still important today. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Or it could be translated comforter or strengthener or counsellor or encourager. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him, but you know him because he lives with you now, because he was upon Jesus from his baptism, and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will... See me, since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Such intimacy that we're to have with God. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he only appeared to his disciples. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each one of them. God making his home with us. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things while I am still with you. So in that section of scripture, Jesus describes his Father who sent him, describes the Holy Spirit who will dwell in us, and obviously himself who will appear to his original disciples again when he rose from the dead, but is now with the Father, with us, by the Holy Spirit. See how important the doctrine of the Trinity is. Now, to do some teaching on this, some fundamental principles. We only know God because he reveals himself to us. We wouldn't know God otherwise. He firstly reveals himself in creation. 
If you've been watching the television series Perfect Planet by David Attenborough, I found it led me to worship. Well, I saw the intricacies and the amazing things in our planet without which life wouldn't exist. And I could just see the power of God and the wisdom of God behind that. And so, and also it reminded us of our Christian responsibility to care for the world. As God said at the beginning, he put us there to care for the world. Well, creation shows God's power and creativity, but not enough to fully know him. And then we, he was revealed through the Old Testament, which teaches about him. And that was sufficient for the Old Testament saints to have faith. But God was distant and not easily accessible. The high priest of Israel could only go into the presence of God once a year. His presence was to be feared. But then God revealed himself supremely in Jesus. How do we know what God's like? Because God has come. And the accounts of the life of Jesus show what God is like. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, that tremendous unity between Father, Son and Holy Spirit was all expressed. God was expressed in Jesus who uh, came to earth, humbled himself in his birth, in his life, in his teaching, in his identification with ordinary people, in the way he served the poor and the outcast. The doctrine of the Trinity is needed so that we know God. The Son reveals the Father. We now don't just know about God. We can know God. Because Jesus has come. God the Son has come to reveal what God the Father is like. But Jesus also says the Father will send the Holy Spirit. He said so that you won't be orphans. Jesus meant two things by that. Firstly, they wouldn't be orphans because after Jesus died, he would rise again and appear to them. But also, they wouldn't be orphans because they would know the presence of God with him because the Holy Spirit was coming. The Son coming means that we know God personally. The Spirit, sorry, the Spirit coming means that we know God personally. We're no longer afraid of his presence. Because the Son died and rose again to forgive us and make us holy. This is amazing. It's the Trinity. We're made holy because Jesus the Son came and died for us. And now the whole Trinity is involved in our lives. The Father remained in glory. The Son came so that we may know God. And can enjoy the Father's presence and go in at any time. The Holy Spirit came for us to experience God. His love poured out into our hearts. The Bible says we believe certain things by faith, but it says the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he has given us. So Jesus came that we may know God. The Holy Spirit came for us to experience God. And when I'm witnessing about the Trinity, that's what I say. I say, God has remained in heaven. God the Father has remained in heaven. God the Son has come to us. 
God the Holy, to show God what God is like. God the Holy Spirit has come upon us so that we can experience God, his tangible presence. Now, just a warning. Be careful about human pictures of the Trinity. The Trinity describes God as revealed to us, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and is unique. No human picture can illustrate the wonder and beauty of total unity in one God and yet three persons who reveal themselves to us and who love each other. It says the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. No human picture could illustrate that. Sadly, people have tried. I've heard one person, one person try and say that. It's like an egg. There's a yolk, there's a white, and the shell, but it's one egg. An egg's not a person. There's not love between the yolk and the shell. Or another thing that people say, which may seem a bit nearer the truth, it's like, I, David, am a husband, a father, and a pastor. No, that's not three persons. That's me taking on different roles. I'm also a grandfather, a brother to my sisters, an apostle to churches across the world. Does that mean I'm sixfold? No, sadly, the large church in that Russian city said one God is not three persons, just one God manifesting himself in different ways, like I described. I'm a father and I'm a brother and so on. Because if he was just manifesting in different ways, how could Jesus speak to the Father? How could the Father, Jesus did, he prayed to his Father. Would he be praying to himself? No. He's praying to his Father. He's expressing love to his Father. He's glorifying his Father. How could the Father declare at Jesus' baptism that Jesus was his beloved Son? And how could the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus at the same time like a dove? In other words, there you are, three persons, beautifully one God. This is a beautiful doctrine. I worship God because of Trinity. All coming together. And now we can know one God, three persons. Now, don't try and think of human pictures. Leave it as it is. As, to ha as how God has revealed himself to us so that we can know God, love God, and experience God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia books like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, also was a great Christian theologian and wrote a book called Mere Christianity, and he describes the Trinity here. He said, you may ask, if we cannot imagine a three-personal being, what's the good of talking about him? Well, there isn't any good talking about him. It means just talking about him. The thing that matters is being actually drawn into that three-personal life. And that may begin any time, tonight if you like. What I mean is this. An ordinary simple Christian kneels down to see, say his or her prayers. He is trying to get in touch with God. 
But if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside him. That's the Holy Spirit. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God, that Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what is happening. God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal he is trying to reach. God is also the thing inside him which is pushing him on, the motive power. God is also the road or bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. So that the whole threefold life of the three personal being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom where that ordinary man or woman is saying his or her prayers. Amazing. You see. Next week, we're going to unpack that and show how this doctrine of the Trinity helps us in prayer, in worship, in unity, in fellowship with God and in mission. Those things are worth coming for, aren't they? How understanding the Trinity helps us in prayer, worship, unity, fellowship with God and in our mission for God. I want you to understand God is one, only one God, but three persons able to love each other. And we need God the Son to reveal God to us. We need God the Holy Spirit so that we can experience the power and love of God. Let me pray. Our God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we love you, mighty God. We love you, Father, because you so loved the world that you sent your Son. We love you, Jesus, because you revealed the Father to us and you died, you became a man so that we know what God is like and died so that we can be saved and know God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you keep coming upon us, that you fill us, that you indwell us, but you also empower us. You come upon us and fill us. We worship you, wonderful Trinity, in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.